All right, guys, welcome to the Leadership to Wealth podcast. I'm your host, as always, Neil D'Souza. Our guest today, uh, he actually is all about financial freedom. In fact, it's his motto. And he says this can be achieved through basically owning multiple properties, uh, having uh, property investment strategies. And he's been you know, a teacher, he's done a number of things. Um, and he is now uh, teaching people about real estate and uh, uh, partnering and this kind of stuff. His uh, company is called Global City Property Investments. I guess today, Ashley Cave. Ashley, welcome to the show. Um, hi, Neil. Um, it's a pleasure to be on the show, to be honest, and I'm um, really looking forward to being here. All the, all the way from the UK. Well, and and being in the uh, the world of real estate, you're always having conversations with people. You're always um, talking about opportunities. And and you can you say something about your motto, financial freedom? Uh, how how did something as simple as that become, or as complex as that become your motto? Um, so to be totally honest, I was sort of thinking about that over over a number of years and uh the first time i really thought about financial freedom was when i just got out of my first stint of uni i thought well before i just go and, and be a p teacher let me see what what the actual what the market is like and what teachers what sort of teachers are in high demand and uh, i saw that the, that the science teachers were in very high demand so i decided to go back and go back to uni and mm -hmm and do um, my PGC in biology and become a science teacher with the, with the mindset that I wanted to be head of biology within, within 10 years uh, of um, getting the first teaching post. And then it was about three years into it, I was head of biology at a school and I was making a decent amount of money and I was making sure I was putting back quite a bit and just, just seeing that I wasn't spending too much. I wanted to always stay well, well, well within my means not live beyond my means so i was kind of thinking to myself if i was to do what most people do which would to get on the house ladder as quick as possible and then build up loads of all many many liabilities there will be a point where i'm going to have one income stream with multiple liabilities and if that income stream was to go i'll be in a bit of a problem Wow. So I was always thinking of how can I make sure that I'm not a slave to one job, and that's that's kind of sort of pushed me into the, into the rabbit hole, looking into other ways of of, of um, getting income. So I started trading um, a little while after that, when I started, I really really came to that realization, and I was looking at all different types of ways of making my money work for me a bit better, and I always wanted to get into property, but I thought my I thought I had to get large lump sum of cash and have it all behind me before i can get on on the property ladder in terms of being a property investor and that was what i thought based on what most people most people's beliefs were but i went on a few different um courses for property investing and using um opm or other people's money and different strategies and i thought right okay so if i if i put all the education to myself and i know the strategies and i can build a build a team and I should be able to raise the funds 
to put in this into the correct strategy to get the uh, an excellent return on investment for the investor and also to build my portfolio or to source property and then sell it on to an individual so then that is when i said right here we go the pennies dropped this is going to be my sort of this this is going to be my venture so i started really really getting involved in it went on to more courses invested more in myself had got a mentor and then i said right we're gonna we're gonna hit the ground running here I'm just gonna I'm gonna say if 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 I put a hundred percent of any of my spare time when I'm not teaching into building the business, I think in about ten years' time or five years' time, I'm gonna be in a very, very good position. So I just carried on just moving that that doing a little bit and moving the goalposts, moving a little doing a little bit, moving the goalposts. So eventually I said, right, I've got I've got my I've got the picture, the logo in my head. I know what I'm, I know. I'm going to be the key person of influence for the business. Because first of all, I thought it was going to be more of a, a faceless organization. I'm just going to be, be able to do both things quite easily. Okay. I said, you know what? It'd be much better because I know what kind of person I am. I'd love it if I was an investor that actually could, if I could actually meet the person who was behind the whole organization, if I could actually meet them personally and get a, a good, gist of them and therefore know like and trust them that i'm more likely to want to work with them so i said well therefore it's advantageous for me to become the key person of influence and let's just go for it ash and that's what i did mm -hmm. so why real estate what what got you to go down that road well when i was um going through my my down my rabbit hole of, of different courses and reading many different books i realized that a lot of the individuals who i was sort of looking up to either made their money through real estate or they were putting their money into real estate as another strategy or hedging and things of that nature so i thought to myself well if if real estate is good enough for this person who's who's well, let's say who's this person so the first person who I ended up getting mentored by was Liam Ryan. And if, if real estate is, a, is an excellent vehicle for him, then why can't it be an excellent vehicle for myself? So, and also looking at um, the the writer of um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, when I was reading that, I seen, oh, he, he, he was actually in real estate and he built his wealth through real estate and then looked into different avenues from that standpoint. I was like, I really like the idea of real estate and the fact that you can get capital growth, you can get cash flow and things of that nature. So I said, this is a very good way to, to first of get cash flow and apply that to many different areas eventually in the long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you don't really need to sell me on, on real estate. A <laughs> <laughs> big, big believer in it. And one of the things that, uh, we love and I always talk to people about when it comes to real estate is it's it's the number one most surefire way of making money. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be quick witted. You don't have to be the best speaker. You don't have to be any of those things. Real estate is one of those vehicles that can do that for you. And are there other ways to make money faster? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, are there other ways that um, 
you know, you can do all sorts of things and get all of, you know, get more fame and uh, absolutely. Mm. And real estate is that one way that you've had more people that accidentally become rich yeah. <laughs> just through real estate. And so um, I always like to say, especially as a, as a uh, father of four, mm -hmm. I go, how many things would I be able to do and build wealth in without taking massive amounts of time away from my family? Real estate is one of those um, strategies, as you talked about, that is really able to to do that for you and leverage your time and uh, leverage money, all of all of those things. So, mm -hmm. so you you had me uh, right off the get go. So, yeah. so I'm with you there. What what for you has been the the most challenging aspect of it, or perhaps uh, what maybe that's a part A, and then part B is what do you see as the most challenging for? Uh, people that want to get into real estate or that uh, partner with you or stuff like that. What what are those two sides for you and for for other people? Mm -hmm. I think the one of the most challenging things from my experience was acquiring the first property and also getting the funds at the same time. So it was points where I had a proper a property acquired and then the investor which we agreed verbally decided that no longer wanting to invest <sighs> so i was like okay now i gotta see if i can find some some money somewhere yeah. and because at that time i'm just getting started out i only had like two investors and one of them wasn't a, a large lump sum they just wanted to sort of like dip their toe in it so that in that case we actually ended up losing that deal yeah um and there was another another time where I had the funds, and then the the actual vendor decided not to not to not to give me the property in the end. So I'd actually gone away and spoken to clients because I do um, service accommodation as a strategy. So I think it's called like rental arbitrage arbitrage in um, in your area. Right. And so I had a client which was a contractor, and he was he was actually he was commuting from farnham to chelmsford which is over a two-hour journey like every day yeah so he was really struggling and i said i said brilliant i can i can definitely um solve your problem i've got a unit we're going to be getting the keys to in the next couple of days i'll i'll i can get you in that and within about two weeks that's what i because everything was agreed in principle with the with the vendor I now had my client. I was like, all we gotta do is meet in the middle and get and get all the furnitures in place. I'd already speak spoken to the to the furnishing companies, had beds on order, had, had everything ready to go. Mm -hmm. And then the date of the of um signing the, the final contrast kept getting pushed back. And then the date of the key handover kept getting pushed back. And I, you know, it was even a point where the the client had spoken to me on numerous occasions and he was getting quite um anxious because he obviously wants to wants to move into the place in in chelmsford and he couldn't do so now that now that was really difficult for myself because like, i gave that person my word and i and i really believe that my word is one of the most important things i think if someone hasn't doesn't if someone says one thing and then does something totally different i think that is like one of the worst things you can do yes we have contracts in place for to make sure people do do that yeah. but 
always i'm a person say if i say i'm going to do something then i am going to do that and yeah. at least that and then some so when i couldn't meet his expectations which i set, that really bothered me also it meant that the time put into sourcing the property was kind of lost at that particular time also had to to take a loss on some of the furnishings and things of that nature so yeah that was that was some of the things which which happened to me but yeah interesting interestingly about i think it was six months after that the same vendor asked me if i wanted the property so i did take that in the end okay so yeah so it all came around in the end so yeah. obviously the putting the time and effort in and being the person that i am and making the vendor still feel comfortable even though it it wasn't the best thing for him to do because he did agree mm -hmm. we still ended up closing the deal and that is one of our best performing units now so oh wonderful yeah that, that that's it i think i've answered the first question what was the second one um well what what it's like for um what do you think the challenges are for the other investors just before you answer that i yeah. I, I wanted to say that um actually maybe about several years ago i instituted my own rule with when it comes to uh investors and one of the rules was um you know once you give me your word when once because i'm going to give you my word once you yeah. give me your word on something that's what it is and yeah. um you know if you break that then we're done yeah. and and so i just move on and i've had investors that uh, have done that and they've been upset and mm -hmm. i said if if i can't trust do you expect to be able to trust me when i give you my word yeah. on something mm -hmm. well then i need to be able to trust you not that you can't change your mind on on something but once you say yes yeah I, you know then then the yes is a yes because otherwise mm -hmm. if we have to start getting into legal battles over a close partnership like that mm -hmm. then you know there's already enough there's already enough uh, of a minefield out there without having yeah. to deal with that internally yeah. most people really get that and uh and what I like about that is it, it, uh, it actually brings more integrity to the relationship mm -hmm. uh, between us, and they understand that I'm committing to them in a different way than mm -hmm. than perhaps other people are. So, um, you know, that. Anyways, I just thought I'd share that because um, that was I, I found in my journey as I got to a certain point that was something that really made a difference for me. So. You were you were now just saying you were going to tell us a little bit about the other side. Uh, what what would you say some of the challenges are for the people that are that want to invest with you or want to learn from you, uh, get involved yeah. in this? What what's some of the challenges you see for them? I think um, one of the major challenges is if um, that they trust me, you know, because obviously Ooh, this is a, this is a good conversation. Let, yeah. Let's talk about this. Yeah. What does this take to develop trust? All right. Oh, I think it. It, it takes a lot of things. I think it takes, um, I would say, like rigorous authenticity. Because I think, end of the day, if I am exactly what I am, I'm telling you exactly what I am. I do exactly what I say I'm going to do. Yeah. And through the time of when I've started this journey and been full on trying to build the business, that I've documented most, if not everything, from every single um networking 
meeting that we went to or I went to which were to begin with which were virtual so all the virtual meetings I had with, with my mentors or networked or any type of education I went on through 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 the time during lockdown I documented everything every single um most or if not every single um viewing that I went on regardless if I got the property or not I made a note took photos recorded what happened what questions that I asked the the vendor why I may not have received the deal when we missed out on a deal mm -hmm. I've recorded all those all things and so over a course of now would be over three years now I've got that sort of track record of what I've done and why I can say I am going to do exactly what I say I'm going to do. Mm. Also, there's the testimonials from our investors and our clients. Yeah. So our investors which, which have started, who started from the beginning have like reinvested with us so they can sort of compound their investment. They've done so. And some, some of them have taken their investment out. They, they got what they needed, which is fantastic. And the clients who end up staying in our units are getting an, a service which they enjoy and mm -hmm. they they get a lot of value from so yeah. that is why this that's what i do to make sure that i can be a trustworthy person yeah. and particularly like i like to make sure that my investors i can trust them similar to what you were saying yeah. so are there the people who have a similar sort of of mission or value that i have and if it is the case then we can sort of join together because you're you're on the same path I'm going the same way. Let's help each other to get there a little bit quicker, mm -hmm. you know, or a bit or a bit more, um, let's say, in a more structured way. And so everyone knows exactly what's going on. So therefore, we can't, we were not going to make any mistakes. And that those are like the little things that I think that are important, like value is so important. Like I I I started a business to make sure that my family and myself can have freedom financial freedom at some point mm -hmm. or i can have a life which i don't have to have a holiday to escape from <laughs> so i say to my like i like it's quite i always people think i'm a bit weird when i say this but um a lot of people go on holidays like a couple of times a year or, or maybe once a year and i say there's nothing wrong with that but i think to myself if I had, a, if I made a life which I never had to escape from because it was literally like a holiday to me, for me, I now would have, say, if I had another thirty years in me, I got thirty years of being on a holiday. Why wouldn't I take that? And why wouldn't I work to that? If it took five years to do that, and then I had another twenty-five years of being literally on holiday because I've created a life which I'm got to escape from, then that is worth giving it a go. So that is that's part of what of my values or my mission. To be totally honest and and when i speak to our investors i sort of decide i figure out by a few questions are they on the same mission are they trying to make sure that their family never want for anything or if anything was to happen could they afford private health care is it so they can make sure that every time they go on holiday is not paying paid for by their earned income is paid for by the passive income yeah something like that I say, is that the case? If you want, brilliant. We can see if we, what can we do to make sure that happens. Yeah. How much normally do you do you spend on a holiday? Is it is it three hundred quid? Is it is it a grand? Is it ten grand? Whatever it is, you spend on the holiday. 
what kind what kind of strategy can we do so that you can get that sort of return yeah per annum now we've yeah. solved the problem for him <laughs> yeah without a doubt i yeah. i actually was just on a uh i, I went on a vacation uh uh, down to the Caribbean last year, yeah. and while I was there, and and uh, this person said, "Oh, you know, it was a good escape." Um, yeah. To and and I was, and I immediately said, uh, "I'm sorry, I'm not trying to escape." Yeah. Um, my, this is this is an extension of my life. This is part of yeah. it. Um, yeah. And uh, and so. But I understand how that occurs for most people. Mm -hmm. Just like you said, a yeah. lot of people are trying to get away from life, trying to get a break, trying to yeah. escape. And and I'm not saying that there isn't a place for um, for taking time away from your regular routine, yeah. right? Because uh, absolutely, you can go here and it is a different routine. Mm -hmm. But just the, just the idea that you're escaping from... Mm -hmm from your regular life. I was like, yeah. there's something missing there that yeah. you need to, to bring in to your regular life so that this just is part of that extension, right? Uh, to mm -hmm. it. And uh, interestingly, one of the things that I realized, because I, I thought about it, I was thinking about that. And what came to me was I want more of the people that I, that I partner with that are clients of mine, that, that, you know, you get into a sphere where you're where you're friends at that point. I yeah, thought, I think I I want to have more of them come yeah. on these vacations as well. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that's actually one of the things that I'm going to be working and creating this year mm -hmm. is sort of group vacations and that and um, being able to go down there so that we can still have the great conversations yeah. that we have right now. Yeah. in these kind of places. So I, I really resonate with, with what you're saying there, what yeah. you're creating there. That sounds cool, to be fair. Like, I would love that, to meet up with uh, a bunch of likewise individuals. Could be in the Caribbean. It could be somewhere which is maybe a bit cold or maybe in the Alps. I don't know. don't really care, to be honest. Let me ask you, on this question of trust, I, I want to ask you sort of a difficult question, mm -hmm. and uh, you may or may not want to answer it. Mm -hmm. um, do you see, um, you know, your, uh, your, the color of your skin or being a male, uh, as being a challenge in, in building trust? Do you, do you ever see that, uh, show its face? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, I actually thought to myself that, yeah, it would have been a problem. And, um, that's what sort of led me on more, more of a road to be like, literally just be me regardless of what people think so like i have a, a, a way of speaking who which might not be like the av the average like um british black person may not speak how i speak okay so sometimes they they like when i open my mouth i think oh where, where have you been or where where you know because i'm actually from cardiff like originally um well, i was born in cardiff and i moved over to essex and uh, they want to say, they, they, because I don't sound a certain way, they they kind of have a little bit of a distrust for me because I don't sound like them. And then also from from experience, I, I think, yeah, um, there are some people who do think or might have maybe a slight prejudice that perhaps I might not be as trustworthy. But I just think at the end of the day, 
if I just be me, then it doesn't matter if someone doesn't really grasp grasp what I am, what I'm doing. If they don't want to work with me, because if they don't want to work with me, then they're not my my investors. They're not my people. Yeah, and that's how I sort of sort of go through it. Like, there's going to be ridicule at some points, but I would say for every one person that is going to be ridiculing you, it's probably about ten people who are singing your praises and who are who are literally hold you in high regard. So I just don't. I to be honest, I just don't. I just don't care if someone if someone doesn't want to work for me because of the color of my of my skin or whatever. They're not my people. I don't care, and they can go do whatever they want to do, and they can meet. They can work with whoever they want to work with, perhaps one of the the faceless organisations or something. But I know that I am the person who who takes pride in what he's doing, and I will basically walk you through, hold your hand from day one, from when we might have our first coffee or, or first meeting, to if you end up being with me for another ten years investing together, if we end up doing development. That's the same person from there until when we're doing development. Development. Obviously, there's going to be some sort of um, growth in that time. So hopefully, I'm not exactly the same person, but I'll be like a maybe version 10.0 by that time. By that time, but I would have still from that person to the next person. I am who I am. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I I I wanted to ask that question because I know that you know people. There are enough people out there that wonder if yeah. those types of things are going to be, uh, if they're it's going to impede them in their journey. And I know that I've I've actually dealt with yeah. it out yeah. there, and and there are times where, and actually, actually, I I still get it from time to time, but in a sort of a different way because yeah. people will talk to me on the phone, and uh, they'll, um, and then we meet in person. And they're yeah. they're like, oh, I I thought you were, I thought yeah. you were a white guy, and yeah. um, you know I've got an Irish first name and uh, mm -hmm. a Portuguese last name, and and I don't have the accent that they think goes along with with yeah. my complexion, right? And so mm -hmm. it's always interesting. Now I'm completely with you in terms of the the people that want to come alongside you that won't make a difference even if they are surprised about any of those types of things they'll yeah they'll move past that very quickly yeah and and i don't hold that against anyone that oh you you thought one thing yeah um but i think yeah. it is part of a it can be part of our psyche based on what you've dealt with growing mm -hmm. up perhaps if you've dealt with discrimination or uh, this type of stuff growing up then i can understand it being there and what I want the listeners to hear is that it really doesn't matter mm -hmm. where you come from, what you look like, if you're authentic, if you're about building trust, if you have integrity, those types of people will come alongside. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. And I think if you're not authentic, people will, will smell it a mile away. And <laughs> even if you have good intentions, it doesn't matter. The, the lack of authenticity is going to make people not want to work with you yes I, um i know when i i've actually mentored um some teachers and i always said to them that if you want to be a better version of what you're doing right now you need to be authentic to who you are don't try and be what they taught you you need to be whoever you are with a little bit of dash of what they taught you so then the students know that 
they know, like, and trust you. They have some, they sort of have a buy-in to what you're trying to do. Because yeah. there's a lot of things that we may try to teach people in our education system, which they don't necessarily want to do. But the fact that they know, like, and trust you, they will go with you on that particular journey yeah. and learn what needs to needs to be learned in order to get to the next stage. So that that's what I've learned through going through, but from my experience and um, having the mentors of I've, I've had previously and just taking them, um, taking the chances basically. Like I, when I was sort of going through the, um, the sort of self-development path and I was still teaching, I thought to myself, well, I've got literally a captive audience here. So if I, everything that I learned from reading, maybe, um, what's, what's the name of the book? The Strangest Secret. If whatever I learned from reading that, if I can apply that to my style of teaching, then let's see how it, how it pans out. And as I carry on like being more me, the, the, the actual teaching and behavior management just was much, much easier. And I said, well, if only every, um, every trainee teacher knew that, that would be pretty, uh, a pretty liberating experience, I believe. So I just make sure that I, I pass that on to anyone who's getting into the into education sector if they happen to be one of my mentees. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that the more you, the more that you are you, the the easier it is both for you and for the people around you oh yeah yeah definitely you, you'll never oh, get yeah. to the to the trust aspect no like trust you'll never get to trust mm. because people never actually get to know you so exactly. what is it they end up liking and i i yeah. see that as a challenge in the industry and maybe you can give me your thoughts on this mm. is that people put up a persona that they think is what people are going to want to see. Uh, mm -hmm. They're 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 going to want this type of person. And hey, how are you doing today? And yeah, uh, you know, yeah. we're wheeling and dealing, and we're driving all sorts of cars and and all of yeah. this kind of stuff. And they try to portray this image. And so when someone gets to like that, you very quickly realize that there can't really be any trust because you've now you've now lied about who you really are and yeah and so it becomes a fragile house that you've just built mm, exactly exactly i uh, i i totally resonate with that and uh like anytime i see some ad that comes on and they're 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 doing the exact sort of um sort of uh um expression which you just did i'm like i'm not listening to that. this person is chatting crap i'm not having it i'm not having it and i and i don't even listen but as soon as someone just comes on, if it happens to be an ad and they are, they seem authentic to me, then I'll give them a time of day, one minute, two minutes, however long the ad is, yeah. then here we go. I might actually buy a course or something, or I might actually go and look up this person a bit more and find out what, what is their product or service that they provide. And then you never know that went down that over a couple of maybe weeks or whatever, you might end up buying that product or service, but that's because of, the fact you've been authentic and i think if anything you do you need to be literally as authentic as you can be maybe it might be uncomfortable sometimes but i think you have to be like some people think that you can't have any mistakes and things you can't be 
you can't you can't um stumble over a word or two or things like yeah that that, and I think, complete lie complete yeah. lies yeah you need to you don't have to be polished i think the best thing is the imperfect i think the imperfect is perfect yeah and i think now day and age we have a lot of people trying to be perfect in that perfect persona which is then put on lots of social social media outlets they want to be that perfect life i've got this i've got this house look at where i'm going on holiday look at this car which i bought which more often than not is might all be on finance or whatnot which is not not such a bad thing as long as you're financed for the right reasons but um i just think that sometimes that they all got this persona they're putting on and then you know when someone comes along and they are authentic that's i think that is a breath of fresh air to be honest yeah. and that's why i like to be just me yeah yeah well <laughs> i i think there's uh, authenticity is the only persona you, who you are authentically is the only persona that you can maintain yeah you, you know and and that's the part of it that people miss so you know for guys the it, for those of you that are listening i think it's important to realize that the the closer you can get to your authentic self the easier it is to maintain that mm -hmm. going forward and the people that come alongside come alongside and those that don't don't now i think they're the other thing that should be said is that uh, people can get it mixed up in terms of well this is just who i am and and not realize that you can still create new versions of yourself right like you even yeah. said the yeah. 10.0 version of yourself yeah. there is no way that if you're if you are moving forward you're moving into these areas that you don't that you're not sure about there's no way for you to not grow like it's mm -hmm. it's an impossibility yeah. and uh it's those very challenges that will force you to grow so as you grow you can uh you can continue to share who you are authentically mm -hmm. including the 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 trials and that and i think that actually gives you strength and credibility when talking to investors mm -hmm. yeah yeah because you, you're showing the investor that you're able to overcome overcome adversity yeah. you're able to to solve a problem yeah so i think if I was someone investing and the person who I was invested with had was lacking in resilience, I would be a bit, um, let's say, I would be very hesitant to, to pass funds over to them if they were lacking in resilience, because obviously there's going to be times where things may not work to plan. There might be a case where you're doing development and maybe, maybe the contract doesn't turn up. How are they going to resolve it? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe there's, there's something happened now that, like during during COVID, the cost of materials went skyrocketed. Yes. Now, how are you going to solve the problem? We still got to try and come in on budget or as close to budget. What do we need to change? Yeah. You know, like in my case, we had we had clients but no units. How am I going to resolve the problem of having clients and no units? Yeah. I need to go find some units. I need to change the strategy. How am I finding the units? Uh, I, am I using letting agents now? Let's try and go direct to vendor. So in that case, I was I was I was starting to ring the vendors using Open Rent, which is a portal which um, the landlords can can promote their properties directly to the people who want to rent them for yeah. like rental arbitrage. So I use different strategies to try and make sure I overcome the problem. So for yeah. me, 
it gives me confidence when I speak to an investor and I say, look, I, here's, this is your X amount of money you're going to, to put with us for X amount of time. I'm going to give you, let's say it might be 5% or 10% or whatever return on investment that we agree on. And the reason why I am confident that you are going to get this is because it's going to this strategy and I'm getting X amount of return on investment, which is probably in a lot of cases with rental arbitrage and how we do it, we're getting 150, 200% return on investment for the capital put into the actual deal. So mm -hmm. now I'm happy, more than happy, that I can confidently give you your return. So yeah. that's how I, yeah, I've gone off on a tangent there a little bit, but <laughs> it just kind of went, yeah. Yeah, yeah. look, I, I, I sort of have a, um, I'm, I'm going to give my, my sales secret. This is my sales secret yeah. <laughs> when, when talking to people. I tell them all the worst things that can happen in in some of these deals yeah and um and most people think i'm crazy that i would do well, why would you say this why i said i tell people the worst mm -hmm. case scenario mm -hmm. and then of course they ask me the question of well what did you do in that yeah. or how did you deal with that and then i tell them the answer this is what mm -hmm. we did this is what we you know this is how you go through it mm -hmm. and and so if they now know the worst case scenario, number one, they know what it is for themselves. Yeah. Number two, if we're in a situation and that ever comes up, they know that I know how to deal with that. Exactly. And, and number three is that if they're okay with that, then we're going to have a great relationship because 90% mm -hmm. of 95% of the time we're not dealing with the worst case scenarios. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you've are you've already sort of set that expectation and for the people that aren't prepared for that i'm i'm perfectly fine with it you know what when you are prepared and you're ready for that then come on back and let's talk about it i'd rather look at it from that perspective and mm -hmm. and work with people that are prepared from that perspective because then everything else is is golden from there on so yeah. anyways that's my that's my uh, secret uh, sales yeah. technique. <laughs> I tell yeah. people the worst stuff possible. Exactly. I, I do something very similar and I, I always sort of either open or close and I say, well, I'd love to help you. And if I can't help you, at least put it in the right direction. So yeah. yeah, you know, if something else that might be more suited to you, then here you go. That's, that's where I sort of point you to when you're ready, come back. No, no problem at all. And then I hope to work with you. But if it's not right for now, then when it is right for you, well, let's let's um, let's have at it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's there's always that aspect of uh, people are expecting you to hide something from. Like if yeah. it's a new uh, a new relationship, people as we're we're talking about trust here, right? So people mm -hmm. are expecting you to hide something. Mm -hmm. So when you actually come out with the worst of it 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 actually lends towards them going oh okay now they start asking you about the good stuff as mm -hmm. opposed to you having to reveal uh, like them asking you the questions of yeah. the, the bad stuff yeah. oh, why didn't he tell me about this why didn't he tell mm -hmm. me about that and um and at any rate as you're as we talk you know because i guess this conversation has really been all around building trust and uh yeah. you know that aspect of leadership i, I think that's for me, 
you know, there's a, there's an ex FBI a negotiator. His name's Chris Voss. He's written some yeah. books, yeah. you know, and he uh, never split the difference. And he, yeah. and he talks about that, the value of, of telling people the, the worst case scenario, the value mm -hmm. of uh, giving people the power to say no, empowering mm -hmm. them to say no, rather than, you know, sometimes people think that in when people that are in real estate are just yeah. trying to take your money. Yeah. What good is yeah. that if we can't mm -hmm. have a proper partnership? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I, I've um, listened to that book uh, quite, a, quite a number of times. And uh, yeah, I always try and get the first no out of the way. Uh, yeah, with, that's uh, right. With anyone get that first no out of the way and give them, let them feel they're in control and things of that nature. And uh, it, it has paid dividends, especially when trying to go negotiate uh, the deals to where each every party is happy. Yeah, um, yeah, that's been been really good. Yeah. Mm. Did, speaking of books, do you have any books that you would uh, recommend for people to to read? Yeah. So. Some of the books which I've read has really paid dividends to me would have been um, Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. That got me, uh, got my money mindset um, like on point. And it was also able to um, get me to understand some of the, some of my prior experiences and what led me to have a certain belief and things of that nature. So that was really good. Um, Think and Grow Richer is a book which I've read multiple times. I think that was called the Science, the Science of Getting Rich. I think that was one from T. I can't remember who who the author is of that one. And another one which I've really enjoyed, I've read a few times, was um, I think it's called High Performance Habits by um, Brendan Brashard. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, got me to manage myself a bit better, and it made me understand that I was always sort of destined to do something entrepreneurial because of the, my mindset and how I like to do things. So, where, so every the reason why I've, I believe I changed from multiple different roles is because I kind of got felt like controlled or stagnated. So I sort of needed something to to make my own and have challenges all the time. And I think. Yeah, that that book was um, paid dividends to making me understand why I why I am the way I am really. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask one question about that because it, it was it's actually something that I took note of when we when you first started and you said you went through and after you came out of school and you were trying to find jobs and you weren't sure what and then to be able because I'm sure there's lots of people that are that don't know they're in flux mm -hmm. they they feel stuck they're trying to figure out what what's the next thing and mm -hmm. they're probably wondering how did you get from there to be able to figure out the next move what was what was your ability to figure out the next move um for me it was to be okay being uncomfortable i say always be okay being comfortable and if you can do that, you can pretty much put anything into place, I believe. So I said, well, what's the worst case scenario um, with going back to university and becoming a teacher? I said, okay, I've got to reduce my outgoings. I've got to sell my car, 
because I had a at the time I had an Audi A4, so I, I downgraded Ooh. to an Audi A1, and then I got a. That, that's not a, much of a downgrade for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I did, that's that is fair to be honest. But in comparison, <laughs> it was a bit of a downgrade at the time. It yeah. was automatic. I had to go to a, um, a manual or stick shift, or so. Um, that was a bit of a downgrade. I thought, but I still wanted to have like me, my my sort of right. my sort of a car. So I did that, yeah. and I thought, right, it's going to only a, another year to get a PGC. What's the worst that can happen? It's going to be some late nights. Got a couple of assignments to do. After I've done that, I'm going to have a PGC, and now I'll never have to worry about having a job again. So I thought, okay, that's worth being uncomfortable. Let's go through them. And then um, we've taken we've taken the steps which have, which have led me to starting my own business and things. It was, you know, every time I learned something, I thought, well, let me try and apply it. And if I can go through what I believe um, Bob Proctor calls is the go through the terror the terror barrier. So every time I learned something new, I thought I need to apply it. So go to a networking event, speak to someone, make those calls. The first time you make the call is going to be a bit scary. It's going to be daunting. It may not go too well, but it's okay being crap. Hopefully, if you do you do it enough times and you're ha- you're okay with being crap for a little while, and you get through that terror barrier, you're going to get well. You get like a rush of dopamine anyway because you've got you pushed yourself through that uncomfortable part. Yeah. Now, when I get the feedback from it, what do I need to do better? Do I need to make sure I'm not talking too fast? Going to make sure I'm not um, I'm not worried about messing up because I remember a few times my some of my calls I couldn't remember my my sales pitch or there's part there's parts where I just I could I could remember it but for some reason it felt like I had like cotton cotton wool in my mouth I just couldn't say it couldn't articulate it so so I had some really good laughs with the the letting agents or the estate agents at the time I said I don't know what's going on here. But um, I can't talk today, but we had a really good laugh. And from that point, I actually yeah. went and in person and spoke to her. And I think now we've, we've built like a, a relatively good working relationship. So she knows me by face. I know her by face and by name. So therefore, by going through that terror barrier and making the mistakes, I've been able to progress and build the skill sets. Because obviously, every time you get past that part, which is a bit challenging, that becomes a strength. So that is how I, how I sort of feel about it. That that is sort of a weakness for human beings. Uh, we're mm-hmm. we're not very good at being kind towards ourselves. Uh, no. you, you know, we're we're good at being comfortable with ourselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, like finding a place of comfort. But yeah, we're not as good at being kind. And it's interesting that I've found that some of the um, the highest performers. Uh, in the world, in whatever area, they have an ability to uh, be kind to themselves in the sense of allowing them the opportunity to fail. Mm-hmm. Even if they hate the feeling, they're yeah. they're kind enough to themselves to allow themselves to to go do it. Mm-hmm. And and that ability of of saying, okay, I'm I'm going to allow myself to go make a mistake gets you one step further right as you talked about with going through that terror barrier and and each time you do that you learn and you grow and and the value of of who it makes you who it creates you into as a person 
yeah. as a monster, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in in the space oh. <laughs> is right is night and day, and uh, yeah. and and unfortunately, people treat themselves. I think uh, they're monsters towards themselves too often, yeah. and they you know hold themselves back, um, and they think there's some magic formula when really it's as simple as allow yourself to go make a mistake. You know, yeah. ma imagine if we if we couldn't learn to walk until we were, you know, in our 20s or uh, mm -hmm. nobody would walk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, no one would ever walk. But mm -hmm. thankfully, kids are really uh, forgiving and really kind with themselves. And so they don't care how many times they fall. Yeah. They get back up. And as a result, 99.9% mm -hmm. .9 of people in the world uh, are able to walk. Mm hmm. Yeah, most definitely. I, I use a, a similar analogy when I've, I've spoken to students. Say, when they're scared to put their hand up and say something, I say, "Look, end of the day, you most of you can walk here. Yeah? You've all walked in here, yeah? and at some point when you first started walking, you probably fell over a few times, but you didn't just fall over and say, that's it. I'm done with walking. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna stay crawling here. Yeah? You yes. got yourself back up. You learned that if you take a step too far to left or too far to right, you're probably gonna fall over." And you got the feedback from it and then you applied it and now you're able to walk yeah. or, or whatnot. And it's yeah. the same with and, and you didn't even know what the feedback was at yeah. that age, right? And yeah. that's an interesting one because oftentimes we think we need to figure out what that what that yeah. is, what the feedback, mm. oh, what did I learn there? And mm. and we spend all this time trying to figure that out before we mm. go try to walk again. Whereas a kid doesn't even know. No. what they did wrong so to say they mm -hmm. just immediately try to go walk again and yeah uh, and it and they end up learning it yeah definitely so, definitely. so let me actually let me ask you uh, you know as we wrap up here what mm -hmm. what do you have lined up uh what's exciting what's new for uh 2023 what do you got uh in the hopper that uh that you're working on Right, that's a good one, Neil. Um, I've got a few things in the back burner on, but working. You said on the, the podcast. Moment. You got a fresh podcast yeah. on the go. Yeah, so which is called. It's called the Creative Property and Entrepreneurs Podcast. S sorry, say that again. Creative Property and property, Entrepreneurs yeah. Podcast. Sorry, my accent came out then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, we launched that in, um, I believe it was the beginning of February. We launched that. Okay. And this fortnightly episode at the moment, so. Uh, so next episode will be coming out next week, not this week. And um, just trying to get similar to what you're doing, um, like-minded individuals, successful individuals in their own right and different, mainly property, but it can be, it can be another, another business venture. I think there's a lot to learn in speaking to them. And I, I, I like to learn a lot from you know making new network, connections and networking. I thought it's only right for me to share some of these connections. So... We can do that and hopefully people can get to know me a bit more yeah. and i can build the network from that standpoint yeah we we've also we're also working on acquiring some property in in london and also potentially doing our first development this year so we're, we're working on that as um as a days and weeks roll on to see if we can find a development opportunity rather that might be a a commercial to to resi or it might be just a, a straight up redevelopment of a resident residential property of some 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 sort so i'm looking into doing doing that and um 
yeah, that's that's what we've got in the immediate so for this year. And then uh, we'll see what, what sort of transpires from those opportunities. Mm. Okay. And let, let me ask the other question. If people want to get a hold of you, what what's the best way for them to do that? Right. Best way to get a hold of me would be on my Instagram, which is just Ashley underscore cave. Um, they can also get to me on TikTok, which I started using now. So I think we've got a lot of um, a lot of video content. So that's still that's the same as again. So it's Ashley underscore cave. And that's the best way to reach out to me. And then you can see any other things I may have going on on those channels. Love it. Love it. Uh, and, and so let me let me just ask this last question about uh, the podcast. What are you learning or loving so far in in just starting that out? being a month into that what what are you learning or loving um i'm literally loving the whole conversations i'm having with the people the amount of things that the little golden nuggets i'm learning from speaking to the individuals is amazing and then also when we have a conversation it it gets to it reinforces the some of the things i've learned over time and i sort of share that as well so um it's a two-way street and i really enjoy that 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 conversation where we have and like from them from them i've actually ended up adding some people into the my particular team or we're going to work together in some sort of part partnership in future from that and if i hadn't if i didn't have the podcast i probably wouldn't have had that opportunity so um it's amazing in that right yeah yeah a- any any parting words that you'd like to share uh, as we uh, wind out um i was i'd say if there's anything you want to start the best time to start was probably yesterday the second best start time to start is now so get started now and you know be really really excited about who you're going to become yeah love it love it well guys uh this is another episode of uh, the Leadership to Wealth podcast. We we want to thank Ashley Cave for coming on and uh, sharing his journey. Uh, and, you know, Ashley, I really appreciate you really uh, talking to us and creating about, about trust and mm-hmm. developing trust. And uh, that is something that, you know, everyone wonders about and what it can look like. And so I appreciate you getting into that and the nitty gritty mm-hmm. around that. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. All right, guys. We'll see you again next week on the Leadership to Wealth podcast.